Our full plates, busy schedules, and heavy loads might seem like the things keeping us from having more peace in our lives. But what if the actual real block is a lack of trust? Trust in ourselves, in each other, and in the Lord. Is peace really even possible without trust? And welcome to Magnify, an LDS Living podcast where we cheer, inspire, and embolden each other as women and followers of Christ. We hope to use our influence to make a difference in the world. I'm your host, Katherine Davis, a mom, a seminary teacher, and a grilling enthusiast who loves God. We've spent the last few months really digesting and taking in President Nelson's message, Peacemakers Needed. As we have talked about the attributes of a peacemaker, one comes to mind that seems to encompass the others, trust. Trust can help us feel all the other attributes of a peacemaker working in our lives when we can learn to trust the Lord, trust ourselves, and trust that peace will actually come from our total dependence on the Savior. So what can we do to find that trust and let it actually work in our lives? Joining me today is a friend and someone I trust will bring the spirit we are hoping for today. Barbara Morgan Gardner is here. Well, Barb, I'm like so excited that you're here. It's going to be so fun. Thanks. Likewise, friend. Okay. Before we begin, though, I want to ask you a series of this or that for our rapid fire round. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) Okay. Mountains or beach? Beach. 100%? 100%. I am from Oregon. I love my beach. I miss my beach. I love my rocks. I miss the water. I miss the noise of the water. Don't get me wrong. The mountains are fine. God bless America. Just miss my ocean. I get it. The smell, the touch, the sound, the peace. God walked on water. Right now, you're making me miss the beach. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. Spring (laughs) or fall? Spring. I like fall. I like the crispness. I like the colors. I, I love spring because, you know, you know what? It's an, it's a it's a moving to Utah thing from Oregon thing though too. I think because winters are long and the snow is gets deep in in the mountains and on the roads and things like that. So the spring means oh rebirth, life, flowers, birds, happiness, joy. Sweet or or salty? Well, I've been drinking this V eight juice. <laughs> So I guess salty on this case, but I also did earlier have a piece of chocolate. So I think I'm guilty of eating both. You need both. both. Yeah. Okay. Quiet or loud? Depends on the moment. Never, never really loud. Like I'm, I don't want to be by the speaker, you know, at a steak dance, nor did I really ever want to be at a steak dance, but <laughs> I would, I would tend to go away from it. Although I do love when I walk into my classroom and I'm teaching my students are talking. I love the atmosphere of people enjoying each other. I think that's my favorite sound. Yes. I love that sound. Movie night in or date night out? Date night out. What's your favorite thing to do with your husband? Like your favorite date? Going to the ocean. (laughs) Just kidding. No, I I would say- Friday night. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. But no, if we were going to just do a Friday night, I would say we like to go to concerts. We like to go to football games. We like to do game nights with our family. We like to go to the temple. And honestly, it's really just about us being together. So whatever it ends up being. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, Barb, as you know, we've been talking a lot about being peacemakers and we've been doing this for the past couple of months. And this topic of trust that I want to talk with you about today 
is so fitting because I think when we trust the Lord, it will bring peace into our lives. And I just want to know, what do you think trusting in the Lord means even when you can't see ahead? So I'm actually going to take that to a quote, one of my all-time favorite talks that I was randomly given by, I had this Relief Society president when I went to BYU, and I actually didn't even know who she was, but she was from my home ward. And I had been at BYU for two years, and I was really struggling to trust in the Lord and randomly went to my mailbox, and it was this folded piece of paper, and it was a talk by Elder Scott. And she had listened to this talk and, and I didn't even know who the Relief Society president was at my, in my hometown in Oregon. And she had just written, I felt that you needed this. And then she sent it to me in the mail. And this is what it says in this talk. It's called Trust in the Lord by Elder Scott. I found it right before we did this. He says this, and I actually have this marked from when I was 20 years old. Wow. This life is an experience in profound trust, trust in Jesus Christ, trust in his teachings, trust in our capacity as led by the Holy Spirit to obey those teachings for happiness now and for a purposeful, supremely happy eternal existence. To trust means to obey willingly without knowing the end from the beginning. To produce fruit, you trust your trust in the Lord must be more powerful and enduring than your confidence in your own personal feelings and experience. And I wrote by the side, I need to learn to trust God more than myself. How am I going to do this? 20 years old. Thank you. I still actually, I don't remember her name right now. That's really sad that I don't remember her name, but I didn't really know her well then. I just got this randomly in the mailbox and it changed my direction. What changed for you? I knew that I was fearing and I was confused about the future. And I knew that I, I, w- I was comparing my life experiences to everyone else's. And I was watching roommates make decisions about marriage and mission and schoolwork and everything else. And I just felt like the path that the Lord was taking me on was different than what everybody else's was. And I was really struggling to believe him. I was really struggling to make the decisions that were different than everyone else's. And so what changed is my own personal desire to learn how to trust God and then also my desire to risk. So... I started risking, and by risking, I mean risking my will versus God's will, which I think that's part of trusting is learning to to understand his will. Right. It takes a lot of effort. It's really easy to trust when your life is going as you think it should. Yeah. When you have the friends or the relationships or your kids are making the decisions that you think that you think are the correct ones. But it's when everything falls apart when the relationships don't happen or when kids make other decisions that that's where I think we truly have to understand that definition of trust. Yeah, Catherine, it reminds me, I teach the eternal family class at BYU, right? And I would say the majority of my students right now believe that the proclamation to the world, a family proclamation to the world is inspired of God, which makes me so happy because it is inspired of God. Yeah. But... My concern is that when, like me, they turn 40 and they're still not married, do they still believe that that document is inspired of God? Or when they're divorced after being married for a year, do they still believe that document is inspired of God? Or when there's a serious struggle with any LGBTQ issue, which is real, is that still an inspired document of God? Or when somebody is abusive or unfaithful, et cetera, et cetera. And the key is for me is, yeah. 
when life gets hard and when, when our path isn't the same as everyone else's, is that when our trust stops because of society or does our trust continue because we have been grounded in Jesus Christ and his living prophets? So there's a price that has to be paid to have the trust that we need. And, and, and if we don't have that trust and we are weak, then we recognize, okay, hold on. I, I'm missing something here. I've got to get myself back in line, back aligned with God. I've got to recognize, is this me? Is this something else? What do I need to do? Because at one point I knew, and now I'm struggling. So let's talk about how we can really build that trust, regardless of where we are. Maybe our trust is, we feel like, has been broken. Yeah. And maybe promised blessings haven't come. And so we're having a hard time trusting God. And maybe we're in the point where, you know, we do trust God. But I think what you said is we all need to strengthen that trust. We need to be able to obey willingly. How do we do that? Like practical ways, Barb, of how we can really strengthen our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in our Heavenly Father. Okay. So I'm going to give you a personal example. Ready for this? Yes. (laughs) So I was 39 years old. My mother had just passed away from brain cancer. My father had just been diagnosed with liver cancer. I was asked to teach and be the institute director out in Boston. My boyfriend proposed to me, and then he broke off the engagement. I went to Boston and returned to Boston where I was teaching, and I got in, and my house was completely flooded and was ruined. And I was told that I couldn't stay there by the, ha- the the homeowner. And I didn't have any other place to go. Didn't have any family or anybody out there. And I could, knew I couldn't call my dad because of course he, he was dying. And I couldn't call my boyfriend because he had just broken up with me. And I was supposed to go teach seminary in the morning and then institute in the afternoon. And I was like, I don't even, I don't even know if God cares about me right now. And then it went to like, is there a God? Like, it sounds so silly, but I just kind of no, went, it's like, wait a second. Uh. And so I remember laying in bed, <laughs> the bed that I was actually not even at my own house. I was at somebody else's house. They invited me in. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, hold on. Like, Barb, how are you going to go teach the gospel of Jesus Christ today with the way you're feeling? And I realized I couldn't. So I said a prayer in my heart. I didn't even get on my knees. I was just like, I can't even move right now. I was seriously so hurt. And I just went through the process. Okay, do I believe in God? Yes. Do I really believe in God? Yes. Okay, how do I believe in God? What what experiences in life have gotten me to this point? And then I started going backwards. I know that this has happened and this has happened and this has happened. I've put God to the test here and I've put him to the test here and I've read my scriptures here and he's proven to himself to me here and I know he's answered my prayers and I just started going backwards and it got down to, do I believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God and he saw Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father in that sacred grove? Yes. Okay, so I know God knows people by name. Okay, does he know me by name? And then I started going back to that. Okay, wait, he does because I remember the specific instance. And I just started going backwards and backwards and backwards. And finally, I sat there and I said, okay, Barb, you know your hope is in Jesus Christ. It always has been. Now you need to start going forward, right? And so I I kind of had to go back to this moment of, I have paid a price and the Lord has shown himself to me. And I remember that. And that's the promise of the Book of Mormon, right? Remember, that's Moroni. Remember the tender mercies of the Lord, right? Have you not? And those are kinds of things. And then I started saying to myself, okay, so, so how do I know these things are true? Well, I have recognized God's voice in the scriptures 
and I know Jesus is the Christ, and I know when I read the Book of Mormon, especially and the scriptures, I have come to know Jesus Christ. This isn't a joke. The scriptures teach of him and it's testified of him. And then my own personal prayers. I know that although I haven't received answers to my prayers every time, including that moment when, especially with my, with my boyfriend breaking off the engagement, it was extremely painful. And knowing that my dad was dying and my mom had already died, and I was very, very, very lonely. I still knew that God in that case was the only answer. Like I knew that there was genuinely no one else I could go to. It was either God or no one at that point. <sighs> and I knew that God answered my prayer then and in the times past. And then I just knew as I had in the past, I had, I had to experiment. Like I had to genuinely say, God, if you're there, you've got to help me get out of bed. I'd experimented many times in the past and this day I had to experiment. So, well, that's what you said when you just had to experiment or you had to risk. Yeah. Right. You, you used that yeah. word before, like take a risk, get out of bed, try, do it. Yeah. And, and it reminds me of one of my favorite scriptures from Alma, where we are told that he verified his word unto them in all things. But we have to take that risk to say, okay, Heavenly Father, prove it. You know, amen. I mean, I, I think of, I think of the, the stripling warriors, and I love in, in Alma chapter 56 where it says they were about ready to unbury their weapons of war. Like they were about to break the covenant. And then Helaman was like, you've got to trust in God. You have to trust him right now. And so they left their weapons buried. And then what happens? These young boys, however old they were, fight these battles, these sons, and they are saved. And, and I just think, you know, sometimes they, they could have just unburied their weapons of war and they could have had a battle there. And they would have just felt like, you know what? We couldn't trust in the Lord. We had to unbury our own weapons. But instead, they risked it. And they said, we are going to trust the Lord. We're going to keep our weapons buried and we're going to see what happens. And honestly, I believe that even if these sons would have been killed, the Lord would somehow would have made himself known to those people. It's the but if not, right? And Barb, so interesting on, on both sides of that, that they had to trust in the Lord, but also that the Lord led him up to that very point where yeah. it, he could have easily have taken care of it before, but he led them up to that very point where the only thing they had to do was, okay, now it looks like we're at the brink of destruction. And can we trust in, in you at that moment where it seems like everything's falling apart? Amen. And I think that that's intentional by the Lord. I think the Lord often does that to us. I think the Lord is often helping us. It's, it's the same. It's a statement about Abraham and Isaac when he was asked yeah. to sacrifice Isaac. And he says, Abraham had to learn what Abraham could do. Abraham had to know that he could, that he had the strength and the ability to do that as well. We see this again and again in the scriptures. I mean, obviously I talk a lot about this, about, you know, the apostles on the water and the savior not coming until the fourth watch. We believe in a fourth watch God who sometimes lets us struggle and row nowhere to learn and to grow and to understand that we can do it. And, and I also see that a lot in the scriptures, like with Lehi and Sariah. And sometimes I wonder if Sariah gets a little bit of a, a bad rap because, you know, she's in the wilderness and she's there and all of a sudden her, her sons are set sent to what she believes will be their death. And she complains a little bit. Right. And then, and then it says she has a witness of her faith where she understands that Lehi did see a vision 
And I think it's to me, what an example that even a prophet's wife was brought to a point where faith was no longer enough, that she had to have a witness in order to trust. But all along, like, look what led her up to that point. She just trusted. She's like, okay, I trust, I trust, I trust. And then she needed to have a witness. I mean, that's, that's what faith is, right? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a belief in things that have been, that are, and that will, that are come to pass. So, so God increases our faith by proving himself to us. And then we are in the moment and then we have to trust him. And then we have to have faith in him for the future, but he proves himself in the past. And that's why I think that's, that's why we have to be willing to take that risk. The risk I took in going to BYU Hawaii was something that I knew that God proved himself to me while I was there. And so because of that, I could then go on my mission because I knew I was okay at BYU Hawaii, even though I was very homesick, right? But God proved himself to me there. So I knew I could go on a mission too, because although I was extremely homesick, I knew he would make me okay. I knew I could be okay. I knew I knew more about him. I could trust in him. I could have compassion from him. And I knew that I could have the comfort of the Holy Ghost, which made it then possible for me later on to leave and go to Nauvoo and do a study and then made it even more possible to go to Boston because I knew that God was okay with me back in, he helped me at Hawaii in 18 and he was going to help me in Boston at 35. But I don't think I would have been ready to go to Boston at 35 had the door not proved himself to me when I was 18. Does that make sense? Yeah. I needed that continual added. And frankly, that's what Elder Callister says about even Christ and his atonement is that Christ had experiences throughout his life that prepared him to trust in his father so that he could perform the atonement itself. He wouldn't have been strong enough to perform the atonement itself had he not had experiences throughout his life. Yeah. Where trusting in God also leads to trusting in our own divinity, our own capabilities and who God created us to be. So, so it's interesting in the, in the, with the Bible, it was, we're talking not just the Bible. I mean, in all the scriptures, we talk about the atonement of Jesus Christ and where Christ was left to himself. As Elder Holland talks, he, he's the only one that's ever completely left to himself, right? But he was, he was completely left to himself and he could trust in his own power at that point. And then we look at us and we're never left to ourselves. We always have Jesus Christ with us. And so it's, our, our trust in ourselves is, is really our trust in our ability to be aligned with God and then move forward based upon his will for us. So we're strengthened because of our divine identity. We're in the process of becoming gods. It's so true. Like I, I think so many things in my life that I'm doing now, I never, ever, ever had faith in myself that I'd be able to do them until yeah. God was like, no, Catherine, you can do this and you can teach seminary and I'm going to help you. I'm going to. I'm going to prove to you herewith and verify my word unto you. Yeah, I, th- I think, Catherine, if I, like, doctrinally speaking, I would go from there, I would go to section 121 of the Doctrine and Covenants, right? So yeah, it's this simple 45, let thy bowels be full of charity towards all men, basically let us become more like Christ, and to the household of faith, and let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly, then shall thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God, and the doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon thy soul as the dews from heaven. I, I, I don't know that I would say I have faith in myself. I would say I have faith in God to make me what he needs, to have me do what he needs me to do. Your confidence waxing strong. Yes, yes. My faith is in God that I can, I can do anything. Like if he wants me to do it, I'll, I'll do, do it. it. If he doesn't want me to do it though, I will fall flat on my face. Yeah, I've had that experience too, right? I mean, 
it's it's not it's it's a, as long as my my will and his will are aligned or as long as I'm willing to do what he's having me do I will have complete confidence and complete trust in my ability to do what he would have me do because he will make it happen. So how does trust increase our confidence so that our confidence can wax strong? How does that work both ways with our heavenly father and ourselves? Like as we increase our trust how can we wax more strong? So doctrinally, if we go to the temple and covenants, right? So we know that as we make and keep sacred covenants with God, we are endowed. Even even baptism, the the covenant of baptism. So at baptism, we're co- we covenant that we are taking, willing to take upon ourselves the name of Christ, right? And we covenant that we are going to keep His commandments. We're covenanting that we're we are willing to take a take take upon ourselves His name. And as a result of that, we have promises that his spirit is always going to be with us. His spirit increases our capacity, right? Mm-hmm. That's just doctrinal. Yeah. His, God's spirit increases our capacity. In the temple, those who are willing to make and keep sacred covenants with God will have, this is this is President Nelson, President Oaks, President Bauer. I mean, that's the covenant of the temple is when we go to the temple and we make the covenant to keep the laws of God and the endowment and also those associated with the initiatory and the sealing and things, then we are promised to be endowed with his power. And therefore our ability and our, our access to God's power increases. So it doesn't mean that another person doesn't have it, but as we keep covenants with God, we have greater power and therefore our confidence wax strong before God and our confidence and our ability waxes stronger because we genuinely do have increased power. We have increased power to do whatever it is that God wants us to do on this earth to fulfill the measure of our creation. So, so as we trust in God, we make covenants with him and then we fulfill those covenants with him. We genuinely increase in power. So Barb, can you think of a time where you needed an increase of power? <laughs> like, I, like, <laughs> every, yeah. every day of my life, every, literally, I mean that every, when I, okay. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, it, I almost laugh because the reality for me is I am desperate for God's power. Genuinely, I say that and I'm not kidding. I wake up in the morning desperate. I know I am nothing without God. Like genuinely, I can't go and teach my classes down at BYU without the spirit. It's impossible. Like genuinely, it is impossible. I can't raise my two daughters in a way that will be pleasing to God and have have a profound scripture study with them in the morning and be able to live with them and help them become what they need to become without the guidance of the spirit and without the unity with my husband for me personally. Like I, I, I think of, you know, my, my oldest daughter, Allie, just this week, just, just as we, she, she had a very traumatic experience. She went to her room crying about some of the things that happened in her childhood before we even met her. She's, she's adopted. And I was laying in bed and she was in her bedroom and I had no idea how full of anxiety and concern she was. And at two o'clock in the morning, I had the strongest impression go sleep with Allie. I just thought that's kind of weird. So I laid there, like I just laid there. And I just, once again, you need to go sleep with Allie. So I just pulled out my phone, turned on the little flashlight, hopped out of bed, walked over to Allie's room and she was just doing a short little sob, very quiet. And I just laid down by her, put my arm around her. She cuddled in tight. And now is there intuition from mothers? Yes. Do I believe that mothers have power? Yes. And I believe we often call what what the world would like to call mother's intuition, I would call priesthood power. And I would say, as we make and keep covenants with God, that power increases. 
Now, what would have happened if I didn't feel that impression, if I didn't fulfill that impression? Allie was probably going to be okay. But because I did follow through with that impression of the spirit, Allie's better. I know she is. So, I mean, that was this week. That is just a simple, so what did I, what did I need? I wouldn't have known that on my own. My natural barb would have continued to sleep. Wouldn't have even thought twice about it because I was exhausted. And then what a reminder to trust, to trust that power, to trust that inspiration, to trust that the Lord can make all things right, that His promises are sure. And I think sometimes we just need those reminders. And in fact, President Nelson said this in his April 2021 talk called Christ is Risen, Faith in Him Will Move Mountains. I love this quote where he says, moving your mountains may require a miracle. Learn about miracles. Miracles come according to your faith in the Lord. Central to that faith is trusting his will and timetable. The more you learn about the Savior, the easier it will be to trust in his mercy, his infinite love, and his strengthening, healing, and redeeming power. The Savior is never closer to you than when you are facing or climbing a mountain with faith. You know, on that same one, Catherine, that same exact talk, I, I love that talk. He says this too. He's talking about your mountains. Your mountains may be loneliness, doubt, illness, or other personal problems. Your mountains will vary. And yet the answer to each of your challenges is to increase your faith. And then I love this. And people do not like to hear this sometimes. And some people do like to hear this. But to me, this has been my life. That takes work. And then he makes the statement, lazy learners and lax disciples will always struggle to muster even a particle of faith. To do anything well requires effort. Becoming a true disciple of Jesus Christ is no exception. I could, I could have easily, when I was in Boston, just said, this is too hard. I could have easily, when Allie was crying in the other room, I didn't know, sort of said, Lord, you know I'm too tired. Like, the Nephites, Nephi could have just said, you know what? My brothers hate me. They're going to kill me. Clearly, the Lord doesn't want that for me. And I know there are so many listeners right now, Barb, that are probably walking or in their homes or doing chores that are just thinking this mountain that is before me is insurmountable. Like it is too heavy and it is too hard. And so the thought of work seems daunting. Like I, I don't know what more I can do. So when we feel like that, what would you say? Well, I don't want to be Pollyanna, but I go back to the scriptures. What did the Lord say to Joseph Smith, even the son of man himself, right? That's back to section 121 where we were before. But if you turn to section 123, that's, that's the key is we, we, it's like Elder Ballard said, and President Nelson has said, Christ is the answer. So what is Joseph Smith here? If, if, if all those different things, if all these things happen to you, sorry, this is section this is section 122. And if, if you're in the billowing deep and if fierce winds and fierce storms and everything else, the son of man hath descended below them all, art thou greater than he? I will just simply say to myself, is this really harder than, than the atonement of Jesus Christ? Like that's where I go. And that may sound like to scripture, but I remember one time going to my dad, I don't remember the topic. And I remember saying to my dad, dad, I just can't do it anymore. But I remember him saying to me, Imagine if the Savior said that. Imagine, Barb, if the Savior said that. Where would we all be? And I remember thinking to myself, genuinely, yeah, what if the Savior would have given up because it was too hard? Life is a test. 
and we need to get dirty and and life is hard and you know what i am so grateful for god because i understand him better because of the trials that i've had i don't want to minimize the pain because i recognize that there is so much pain and it is very very hard but i do believe we have a god that requires effort as just as he said he didn't have moses climb up halfway he met him at the top of the mountain and and we really sometimes we really struggle especially in our day and age we want a mcdonald's hamburger right we just want it we we want to go through the drive. I, I get frustrated when I get my Diet Coke. I don't get anything but McDon- from McDonald's, but my Diet Coke. Me too. <laughs> and I get so frustrated. Sometimes I'm like, this is taking me like a minute and a half. Like, what's going on? And then I think, yeah. And no, so wait, God expects me to go through this trial for 40 years? Like, I'm not going to be married for 40. I'm never going to have my own children in this life. Like, how is that fair? It is fair. It's totally fair because the Son of Man gave his life for us. There's, if anybody didn't have a fair life, it's the Savior. I, that sounds really hard, and I don't mean that to be like in any way undermining or not being sensitive to the struggles of people. I have seen serious struggles. I, I I watched my mom pass away from brain cancer, and it was one of the most difficult things of my life. But he got me through. I didn't get through. Well, part of what I feel from you is this deep and abiding love of Jesus Christ. And I wonder sometimes if when President Nelson is telling us to, that the Lord loves effort, and in that, this quote that the Savior is so close to us, I wonder if effort means also coming to know Him. So that's maybe where we have to put our all of our efforts, like you said, is to know Him, to trust Him, to understand what He has been through. So coming to know the Savior, how has that helped you understand who He is through your times of trial? How have you been able to trust Him more the more you've come to understand who He is? So in that same talk that you mentioned, Catherine, um, he talks, President Nelson talks about study, and that has been one of the things, I would say study, prayer, and then spending time in His house, the temple, have been those things. But this, I love this statement where he says, he's talking about scripture study, and he says, internalize the truth that the atonement of Jesus Christ applies to you. He took upon himself your misery, your mistakes, your weakness, your sins. He paid the compensatory price and provided the power for you to move every mountain you will face. You obtained that power with your faith, trust, and willingness to follow him. I know that Jesus Christ gives me peace if I repent, and that's only possible through his atonement. I know that Jesus Christ will increase my faith if I put him to the test. I know that Jesus Christ will increase my power if I attend, attend the temple and I make and keep sacred covenants with him. He's proven himself to me so many times that I, that I genuinely do trust him. I just do. He's, he's been proving himself to me since I was a child, and he proved himself to me today. So why would he stop? Why would, he stop? Why would he stop working in our lives when he's been working all along? And sometimes when those mountains seem so insurmountable, I think that's what I have to hold on to is that he is working. Even if I don't necessarily see it or feel it, he is working in my life. And can I trust that his promises are sure? And, and that's why I think, Catherine, you have to be able to that's one of the reasons why I think the scriptures are so important is yeah. because you're not just reading your own stories, but you're reading 
how Sariah trusted in God. And you're, you're reading how, how Esther trusted in God and God proved himself to Esther. You're reading about how Ruth trusted in God. and he, There is not a single story in these scriptures where eventually God does not prove himself. It, he always does. He's, he never breaks his covenants. Never. Not once. Doesn't happen. The only time that things aren't fulfilled is when we don't trust him and when we aren't willing to fulfill our part of the covenant. But God never. And that's one of the things I love. I just last night, my husband and I were reading in Helaman of all things. We were just, we were reading through and just discussing Nephi and Helaman and that light and they were in that prison and God proves himself to them. I mean, can you find a page in the scriptures where God doesn't prove himself to the people? I mean, look at Paul in the New Testament. He's caught us constantly. You can't read the Book of Mormon. The beginning of it is the tender mercies of God. You read the Book of Mormon, you'll see the tender mercies of God. You finish the Book of Mormon and he proves the tender mercies of God. He does the same thing in the Bible. He does the same thing in the Doctrine and Covenants. Like, I mean, it's, it's a testament, a testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And so, so important to hold on to those stories. But sometimes I think we get to those stories and we see the beginning and the end, right? We're like, oh, look, this is what happened. But we lose sight of the middle when we're in the middle and trust that that God knows the beginning from the end and he will get us there even when we're in the middle and we don't see it. It's not that we're all not going to struggle and it's not that life is not going to be hard. Jesus Christ had to atone for the sins of the world. Joseph Smith was martyred in the Carthage jail, but it's not about just, it's about, are we becoming like Christ when it comes right down to it? Are we becoming peaceful? Are we becoming more faithful? Are we, are we becoming all of these things? We are so concerned about how we are sometimes in mortality, but if we have that eternal perspective, can we see ourselves becoming more like Christ? And that's what we're trying to aim for. We're not just trying to aim for what the world wants to give us today. That's hard. I recognize that's very hard, but that is true. And I truly believe trust helps us have that eternal perspective and hel- helps us see up the mountain, on top of the mountain, and at the bottom of the mountain. Barb, as we, I just have learned so much from you. And as we end every conversation, we love to issue a small and simple challenge, something that we can do to work on through the week. And so I want to ask you, what is your small and simple challenge for how we can trust ourselves, trust the Lord, and trust that He is working in our lives? I I would just invite everyone to do what President Nelson has asked everyone to do, which is study Christ, study his names, study his life, go to his temple, read his words, memorize or become very familiar with the living Christ, act upon what you know, increase your faith in Jesus Christ. If we look at what he's asking us to do, it's all about trusting Christ and it's all about becoming like him. Take the risk, put forth the effort. Stretch like the woman with an issue of blood. When we want to really stretch and we're willing to stretch as far as it needs so that we can touch that robe, then he blesses us with his power. President Kimball said, when we want revelation from God and to know God so much that we are on the tip of our tippy toes, he'll make himself known to us. We have to be willing to stretch and be on our tippy toes. The tip of our tippy toes. The tip of our tippy toes. That's, that's stretching. For a very short man, too. Like, Barb, I love that image. And that's what I'm going to keep in my mind this week. Like, to the tip of my tippy toes. Oh, Barb, thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks, Catherine. You're the best. (laughs) 
such a good conversation with my friend, Barbara Morgan Gardner. And one thing that she said that is going to stay with me is that sometimes we just need to risk it. We need to try and prove God that he is a promise keeper and trust that those promises are sure. Thank you for being here and hop on over to Instagram at Magnify Community for more inspiration and conversation. And of course, subscribe and listen to the Magnify podcast wherever you get your shows. See you next week.